Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on In-Flight Snack, no, it's not the Super Bowl, even though the Jets fans seem to be celebrating that way. But the Jets win a game that they never, ever win. I said I just needed one. Just give me one of these games. The Jets don't win games like this. This doesn't happen for this team, and yet they win. So it's a victory Monday after beating the Eagles, being down 14-3, being down at the end of the game. Tony Adams with a huge interception. Brees Hall runs it in. The Jets win. Four corners down. Doesn't matter. None of it matters. The Jets found a way to win. They're resilient. They found a way to win, and we talked about all of it. We broke it down, talked about the offense, the defense, the defensive line. So many things happened in this game. All that and a whole lot more coming up next on In-Flight Snack. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way through the college football playoff and the Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you the access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. And remember to use our promo code, which is BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Over the middle, it's intercepted. Picked off by Tony Adams. Adams on the run. Breaking tackles. Tossed down inside the 10. It's a toss for Powell. He's got the angle. He's got blockers. Powell working the sidelines. Powell goes all the way. Touchdown, Jets. Takes the snap, drops the throw on fourth and eight. Well protected, looks left, heaves a bomb down the middle of the field. It is broken up by Jordan Whitehead. The Jets are going to win it. Let's make sure we play like the New York Jets. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Welcome back to In-Flight Snack, a New York Jets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. That's Bilal Powell. I'm Rami Lavi, and it's another Victory Monday, the second consecutive Victory Monday for the New York Jets. And this team, I mean, there's something special. You said it. We had an instant reaction last night. You said it, Bilal. There's something special about this team because they're three and three at the bye lot right now. But... They've won two in a row. They were one and three. They lose Aaron Rodgers four plays in. The way this team looks, where it looked like Zach Wilson couldn't play quarterback, right? You think it's over. The Kansas City game when they're down 17-0, the way they lost to the Pats, everything that's happened. And then coming into this game, even after a win last week in Denver, it's like, all right, you beat Denver. Denver stinks. They lose four out of their five corners coming into this game, four of their top five corners. The touchdown goes against them to start the game where all of a sudden you're like, wait, we're down seven, nothing. I thought we just made a huge stop. 
the resilience of this team has shown time and time and time again, and they battle back, they fight back, they win this game. It would be nice to get a lead once in a while, but it doesn't matter. Apparently, they keep battling, they keep winning, and three and three at the bye, all things considered, could you have asked for any more of this team? Uh, listen, I think we're all surprised right now as a Jets fan base. Jets being three and three going into the bye week. And Rami, let me lay something out. Three and three right now going into the bye week. We have the Giants coming up, the Chargers, and the Raiders before we get back into divisional play. To me, that's set up perfectly for us to put ourselves in a decent position to make a run for the playoffs. I mean, three and three without an Aaron Rodgers, with a quarterback who we thought and we're waiting for to turn the corner. He hasn't turned the corner yet, but it just seems like that defense is just had it, they have his back. And, and and right now I said, if you could just leave the defense out there, we'll be undefeated right now this entire season. But at the end of the day, the defense is picking up the, the slack of the offense right now. Um, I would love to see the offense get going. We're too talented on the offensive side of the ball. So we could just turn the corner. This team is going to be someone and a team that no one wants to play for the rest of the year. Quinnen said it on last episode. He said, we don't care what the offense does. We look at ourselves as the defense. If the other team doesn't score, they can't win. We're going to come out and hold the team to zero. And that's what they did in the second half. It's really what they did. This defense is that good. You said it on last episode. You said the defense has to be perfect for them to win this game. They were pretty much perfect. You also said you have to win the turnover battle. The Jets, the one thing, Zach Wilson, give him credit where it's due. He hasn't turned the ball over. Maybe you wish he could take a few more shots because like you said yesterday in the incident reaction, you have this defense behind you. You can afford to take a few more shots. But okay, fine. You're not taking shots right now. Maybe we'll get there. Maybe that's something they're working on the bye week. The Jets win the turnover battle for nothing against a team that doesn't turn the ball over. And they first four turnovers in the game. This defense, like you said, and like everyone talked about, I don't know, are they really that good? They've been falling behind some teams. This defense is as special as advertised, if not more. Especially versus a team with backup cornerbacks. I was very surprised at how our defense played without two starting cornerbacks. And that was my biggest thing, is saying the defensive backs had to play good, not knowing that we were going in without are two starters yep. and you know obviously aj brown had his game but they kept him out of the end zone so for me i think bryce hall is doing a tremendous job filling in for uh dj Reed and the sauce gardener he's doing a good job man defense is doing a good job they continue to find a way uh one of the biggest things that i think they're built on is like don't make excuses make plays and, and we're seeing that week in and week out with our defense man i honestly it, this is almost historical <laughs> I think we're witnessing history right before our eyes as a fan base, as as a as a uh, fan base, not only for the Jr. Jets, but just in a league around the league. What our defense is doing, the games that they're winning for us without having that offense being uh, uh, productive right now. I think we're watching history, man. Yeah, and you said it because listen to this: they've played three MVT, MVP type quarterbacks, and here's what they've done. They held Josh Allen and the Bills. He was 29 to 41, 236 yards, a touchdown, three picks. He had a 62 quarterback rating in that game. They held Patrick Mahomes to the worst game of his career, 18 for 30, 203 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, also 63 uh, passer rating. And then the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, 27 of 43, 280 yards. Yeah, he had a lot of yards, but touchdown and three picks. 
For those keeping score at home, that's three touchdowns to eight interceptions against three of the top quarterbacks in the league who it's not like they're struggling this year. They're great against everyone else. Jalen Hurts was 5-0. and I thought Jalen Hurts was actually pretty good yesterday. He's running around, slipping away out of defenders' arms, making plays with his legs, throwing the ball on the run. I think Mark Sanchez called him a slippery tuna covered in or a slippery salmon covered in Vaseline at one point during the game, the way he's holding defenders off and throwing it downfield. It doesn't matter. This defense is special. And one thing you talked about is the resiliency and the mindset. And that comes from their head coach. That comes from Robert Sala. Robert Sala, he goes in that room and he says, all right, next play. Like, we cannot dwell on the past. We cannot focus on what happened last. We need to just go do the next thing and just be better and better and better. What do you think you're seeing now that after two and a half years of this guy being here, this team is starting to mirror their head coach? Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, the, the leadership doesn't start in the locker room. The leadership starts as a head coach, all the way down to assistant coaches, all the way down to the, the last player on your roster. That is how a team and an organization should be built. And like I said, I had the opportunity to read uh, Robert, and I loved his philosophy of the game. 45 minutes I sat down there and I talked with this guy, and I just loved his, uh, his, his, his philosophy of the game. And I'm sitting there thinking like, I wish I could have played for this guy. It, it, it was one of those talks and, you know, his his demeanor and everything that stood, what he stood for, just makes you want to run through a wall for this guy. And, you, and you're seeing that now with how the team is finally coming together. No matter who you put in, we're talking about backups coming in, playing like starters. So now you're saying not only are we, not only are we good from a starting standpoint, but we have the depth to go against anyone in this league. So, yeah, you're starting to see a lot of what is mimicked by Robert Sala. I mean, the guy runs stairs at 80, every stadium that he he goes to. That is a mindset, and it, it is it is it is actually contagious to those guys. And and you're seeing it um, on game day. Yeah, this is a guy who I mean, he's been criticized a lot, and there are things to criticize. Look, the clock management stuff. It's not great to watch the end of the half. Like they can't figure out how to score at the end of the half. They basically were like, all right, we're just going to take a knee and kick a field goal here because we can't figure out how to manage this clock. Last week, the clock runs out on them at the end of the half. So like there's things that they're struggling with. Brees not going down at the one is like, mm, that's there's a coaching thing there. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later when you talk about Brees Hall not going down. I, I don't know. What, what What is your philosophy for a team that couldn't score all day? Do you think that he should have gone down at the one yard line? No, not no. No, I, yeah. I, I think he did what he was supposed to do. Go score and, and put your defense back out there, honestly. Right. <laughs> and, and and part of that is they trust this defense so much that it's like, hey, mm -hmm. I could go score here. I don't, I don't need to worry about it. I can just yeah. go score here because I know I, I, my, I'm putting my trust in this defense that's been awesome. So, yeah, obviously in, in listen, in those type of situations, coaches, they, they make you aware if they need you to go down, you go down. Hey, hey, let's be aware. If we get there, let's go down and run the clock out. But I'm sure someone... They, they didn't say it. I think they had so much trust in their defense, the way they were playing all, all game. Say, hey, let's go up. <laughs> then get the two-point conversion and force them to really go down because they're not scoring on us. That was the mindset. Yeah, and they, like you said, they, they couldn't score on the Jets the second half. The Jets shut them out in the second half. But there's something about Salah. He keeps the team believing. He keeps the team together. Like, as much as you want to criticize, I, I don't know... Again, sometimes it's not crisp. They're not a very highly penalized team. They point this out during the broadcast yesterday. It seems like their penalties are always costly, but they're not a team that gets penalized a lot. So it's kind of funny. But, and I know you and I have talked about that. Why does that happen sometimes? Why do sometimes teams 
get penalized when it seems like they need to not get penalized the most, even though they're not a highly penalized team. Obviously, those are the things that are out of your control. Um, like I said in the previous episode, is you know you 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 pretty much had this layout of what the what the officiating crew is called for and where they rank in the in the in the uh, in the league for most of the calls. But man, those are the those are the calls you can't control. Sometimes, man, the only thing that you can obviously control is you know the pre snap penalties. That you know, obviously being in the moment, you don't want to put it in the officials' hands. But you know, you just compete, and it comes down to competing, man. Honestly, and uh, like like I say, man, those guys across from you, they get paid just like you do, and sometimes they beat you at something, and you may have to pull a jersey here, or pull a jersey there, or get in front of a guy uh, to stop a touchdown occasionally or stop guys from scoring um, on certain things. But those are things, man, it, it happens so fast. You know, it's, it's a lot faster on the field than it is watching it on TV, man. So, um, you know, you, you, as a coach, you just like for your guys to control the pre-snap penalties more. Are we ever going to be able to enjoy a game as a Jets fan? Like, this <laughs> game was not a fun game to watch by any means as a Jet fan. The last... 30 seconds of it was fun when you get the interceptions like oh my god we're gonna score and then they score it's like oh my god wait we need to get a stop and then they get the stop like they score so quick and you're like oh my god like when are we gonna actually have fun enjoying watching the jets play like oh my god this game is like a fun game throughout the game like this defense you couldn't even enjoy it because every time they force one of these turnovers every time they made a huge play it's like all right the offense go back out there let's see if they get something better than a three and out and half the time they didn't when are we just gonna be able to enjoy a game uh, listen, uh, we have to we have to remind ourselves that the Eagles is a very good football team. I one think of the best if you, if, I think arguably, right, one of the best teams. But I think when you look at it, man, honestly, them coming in playing against backups, I think people were thinking this game was going to get out of control, honestly. So for us to go out and holding our breath, well, the Eagles is a very good football team, and we have a quarterback that we're still waiting and trying to witness him turn a corner. So, yeah, you're going to hold your breath. Like, we're, we're, we haven't arrived yet, right? And, and there's plenty of season left. You know, obviously, there's the talks of Aaron Rodgers possibly coming back this year, you know, all these different rumors or whatever it may be. But, you know, we're still that organization waiting for our quarterback, our young quarterback to turn the corner. So obviously every time he's on the uh, on the field, it, it's not something that's exciting. You know, even with all the, the offensive weapons that we have, we still just need that one quarterback, that, that one player to turn the corner. Yeah. And you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. I do want to talk about him in a second, but I don't know if I'm the only one who thinks this way. Maybe other people do, too. But once San Francisco lost earlier in the day to Cleveland, I'm like, mm, yeah, the Jets aren't winning. Because it feels like, oh, the, there was the already the big upset of the day. You know what I mean? Sometimes it feels that way where it's like, okay, you know, there's two undefeated teams left. They're both 5-0, and oh, San Francisco and Philly, the two best teams in the NFC, maybe the two best teams in the league, definitely the most well-rounded teams in the league. And then San, I'm like, Philly's going to be the one that loses it this week. That's going to be the team in my head. And then once San Francisco loses, it's like, well, Philly's not also going to lose. I don't know why I feel that way. Like, does anyone else think that way also? I think that way. I'm like, oh, there go the big one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they, there goes down. the big one. Um, you know, there goes the big one. And you know, obviously, like I told you, man, it's any given Sunday here. It's 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 never a team where you look past, man. You can't look past um in this league, man. You know, this is not the college high school level. This is a professional level, man. These guys are professionals just like us, man. So I think you look at it as 
week in and week out, you better be ready to compete. Now, you know, sometimes obviously teams play you and they match up better. Who knows? But, you know, it's any given Sunday and I'm betting on the Jets every Sunday. All right. You have to now. Right. After what we just witnessed, uh, a team like this uh, missing two starters on the defensive side um, with the Eagles having two explosive receivers. I think I think we can say, OK, if we could just bet on our defense week in and week out, they're going to keep us in games. Obviously, we're going to be holding our breath, but we're going to be in games every week with this defense. Yeah, and another thing, they're betting on themselves. You said you're betting on the Jets. They're betting on themselves. Quinn Williams talked about it on the last episode. He said once Aaron Rodgers showed up here, even though he's hurt, you still see him on the sideline. Uh, I don't know if you saw the videos of him slinging the rock around, throwing the football, playing catch before the game. He's doing the calf raises. He's turning the ankle. No, nothing on his leg. How, first of all, like I showed it to my father. I'm like, you're a doctor. What? What is this? You know what I mean? He's like, yeah, I don't know. That's not normal. That's that's not okay. He's doing something that shouldn't be humanly possible. So Rogers on the sideline, ridiculous. Like he looks like he looked like he was warming up for a game. Like he's gonna be back in a week. I don't know, but not the point. The point is that these guys have a buy-in, they have a belief in themselves, and they have this winning mentality. He said Rogers still brings that every day, even though he's not on the field with us, he still brings this winning culture. And that's something that's totally different. That's something that Lazard, Alan Lazard made a really bad play where it's arguable where he makes that block downfield on a great Zach Wilson play. Zach Wilson's best play of the day, in my opinion, where he gets the defense to jump offside. I was like, oh my God, he's doing the Aaron Rodgers thing. That's the Aaron Rodgers. They got the defense to jump. He has the free play. He's running around back there. I'm all excited. And then they call it back because of a dumb penalty downfield at the end of the play. And I'm like devastated, right? So then, Alan Lazard compounds that with a big drop afterwards. But then later in the game, he made another big, a huge catch later in the game. I'm like, okay, that's a veteran presence where he didn't let the previous two mistakes affect the later mistake. Randall Cobb makes the big catch, taking a big hit on the two-point conversion. You see the leadership in some of these things on this team. There's a winning mentality there. There's a culture there. Quinn Williams told you he went, won at every level. The first place he's ever lost is the Jets. He doesn't want to lose. He wants to win. How do you think this team is starting to believe and starting to buy into themselves? I think having Aaron around around the facility is is helping not only Zach but the entire team. They're still hearing him. They're still still seeing his leadership off the field. And when they're sitting in that offensive meeting, they're going through their offensive uh, uh, install. They're hearing the things that Aaron Rodgers is possibly saying to the offensive coordinator about attacking a certain defense or an opponent. They're hearing these things. Hey, Zach, maybe we can get them to jump here. Like all these things you're hearing, you're still hearing this guy, even though he's not lining up on on game days, you're still hearing the leadership from him. And then you still have a Randall Cobb who has been around the same guy that we're considering a leader. So he, he knows what to expect. So he's able to talk to his group and it, you know, trinkle over to Dalvin Cook being the veteran, all right? Obviously, we don't see him as much uh, as we would like when we first signed him, but he's taking on that veteran role. You have guys in the building that are used to winning, guys that not only used to winning, but they're, they were the best at their position for a long time, very consistent. So when you see this as a player, as a young player, Garrett Wilson, young player, Brees Hall, Zach Wilson, all these guys that are young players, they're still they're still getting the preparation side of this game, which is the most important piece when it comes to um, playing football on on game day. I think fans oftentimes look at the statistical output or impact, and they assume that's the only impact a player has. 
How much does it go beyond that? A guy who maybe is not the most impactful player on the field, but is impacting winning in other ways in the locker room, like you said. I mean, I mean, you just, you just it's contagious, man. You know, obviously, I wish I, I would have had the privilege to play with a guy like that. Um, not only just Aaron, but your head coach. You know, you, you talk about that guy, and then you talk about the defensive coordinator. I, I think we don't talk about, and you mentioned that, we don't talk about Jeff Obrick enough. Uh, yeah. I mean, he put together a, a tremendous game plan versus three very good teams that, you know, I felt like we could have pulled that Kansas City game out. And then we beat the Bills. We beat the Eagles. You've seen what he did to three of the best quarterbacks in the league. So it's all, all that just plays a part, man. And honestly, and, and like I told you, if, if they get to a point to where they have to block out the noise on the outside and it has to be about the people that's in the building. And that starts from the players all the way up to the coaches. And, and right now you can see the players playing for coaches and coaches putting the players that they know can make the, make the plays and those players are making the plays when it counts. Yeah, think about it. Three weeks ago, we're talking about the unnamed sources coming together and saying there's, there's, there's headbutting in the room and they're turning on Salah. Think about how far we've come from that. That was in Chiefs week. That's two and a half weeks ago. Think about how far we've come from that point to where we are today. And Jermaine Johnson said after the game, said something very interesting. He said, blocking out the outside noise has actually brought the team closer together. So all the haters, Rich Samini, all you people who want to say stuff like that about this team, thank you because you're bringing the team closer together. He said, by us banding together during the week and blocking everything out, it gave us more belief in ourselves because we're not listening to anything else. We know that we're capable of this because we're coming together as a team. Yeah, I mean, and Rich Amini, man, you, he, he, he couldn't name the source. So, you, you know, how, how you can't stand on that. And, you know, I always say name the source. If you can't name the source, it's only an assumption. And like I told you, I felt like these players and these coaches, man, they, they, have, a, they, have, a tight, they have a tight relationship. And, and I've been on teams where players have gone against coaches and coaches have gone against players, coaches going against coaches, players going against players. And, and to see this team stay together like they have, and, and, and all these weeks playing, I mean, they could have went out and got blown out by a, a Buffalo Bills, a Kansas City Chiefs, a, a, a Philadelphia Eagles. It could have got really ugly for them. So to see the way they're playing and continuing to play, despite all of the all of the the, the assumptions that we may have, because you know, Rich does has to get paid, so he has to have some assumption. So <laughs> he has to write something. Um, and you know, if you can't name the source, we can only assume. And I told you that I said, if you don't name the source, we can only assume looking outside in and, you know, outside of the couple tweets that they had by the two young players, we haven't heard anything. And to me that as an owner, Woody Johnson should be like, wow, this is a good organization. Joe Douglas, man, my head coach is keeping it together. My, you know, my head coach is saying, Hey man, my players in the locker room, my leaders are standing up. This is what we need. Cause it is a long season. Man, not only showing up week to week, but every day going to practice is tough. So you need that leadership. And honestly, man, I, I'm really liking what I see from this team from a leadership standpoint. Yeah, and top to bottom, like you said, the leadership is top to bottom. And they love their coaches. They play for their coaches. Two things. After the game, I saw the camera cut away from it quickly. But you see Aaron Rodgers grabbing Robert Sala and giving him a bear hug. Right? Right before, like, right at the end of the game. Like, He's so fired up for Salah. He knows what this means for Salah. And then after the game, a friend of mine who was there sent me a video of Joe Douglas waiting at the tunnel for all the players as they were coming in, hugging and high-fiving every single player. Douglas is waiting there. JD. So like 
that's a connection from the top down. And it means a lot to Joe Douglas. He obviously was with the Eagles for a bit before this. So, you know, this game might mean more to him. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot more to break down. I want to break down the offense. I want to break down the defense. Uh, and then we'll give you our player of the game. I also have an interesting question that relates to injuries about Robert Sala. So we'll come back in a second. My coffee's getting cold. So we'll come back in a second. We'll take a quick break and come back with that in a minute. <sighs> All right, coming back here. I want to start with this question before we get into the offense. When Robert Sala, because the Jets had an injury in this game, again, on the offensive line, again, Joe Tipman, he's been great for the Jets on the offensive line, so he gets hurt. And Robert Sala said he could be out, quote, a while. I don't know what that means. But what is it about Robert Sala that when he says on Monday and then on Wednesday and then on Friday that a guy is healthy and he's going to be ready to go, probably, somehow it ends up being a career-ending injury. Like, every single time. Do you, like, do you think it's something that he should be avoiding? I know you're not an NFL head coach. I'm just certainly not an NFL head coach, but why does he feel the need to give like a really positive report oftentimes? Like he, like he did about DJ Reed, like he did about sauce Gardner, like he's done countless time. He did it about Elijah Vera Tucker a couple of weeks ago. And then a day later he comes back. He's like, Oh, actually, whoops, my bad. They're going to be out for the season. Like it's so interesting. Why does he give an overly confident report? Like it just makes him look bad now. No, I think it's it's a couple things. You have to think about the opponents like checking on the injury reports. Okay. Everything's everything's reported, man. You're just trying to uh, you know, if I, if I say Sauce Gardner's out, then you can have a game plan going into the game to attack our our corner. So it's a little <laughs> bit of gamesmanship there. Yeah, obviously that and and just respecting as a, a player's privacy, man, especially when you talk about a season, a season ending injury and that, you know, sometimes emotions arise. And, and as a good head coach, you just want to respect your player, man, keeping it private. Um, you know, I had that conversation with Ty Bowles after my neck injury. Um, you know, I, I was told that, hey, man, you we're going to respect your privacy. And next thing you know, something came out about, oh, it's career ending. And I'm like, hey, we just had this conversation. What are you talking about? So I think players and coaches, man, it's just a privacy thing, you know, getting guys to like kind of like uh, level out their their emotions during that time. Uh, AVT was doing a great job for us, man. So to lose him for the season after losing, you know, Aaron Rodgers to the same exact injury, I'm sure there was a lot of emotions that coach wanted to be like, you know what, we're going to protect you as much as we can from the media because we know how the, the the New York media can get. And obviously, you know, that 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 goes along with the next week, man, the opponent, man, they're, they're checking on the injury reports. You, you know what I mean? So uh, it's just a it's just a game that these coaches play, man, just keeping things in house. Yeah. So hopefully we hear good news soon. Robert Sala should be speaking to the media pretty soon about Joe Tipman because he was fantastic. The offensive line, for the most part, did hold up after he left and they start to fall apart a little bit towards the end of the game. Uh, but let's talk about the offense. I mean, offensively right now, the Jets are 32nd in the league on third down. They were 2 of 11 in this game on third down. They're 31st in the red zone. At one point in this game, they had a streak of eight consecutive red zone trips where they hadn't scored a touchdown. That's insane. And yet they're 3-3 three and three with all that said. So this offense has a lot of room to improve. Do you feel like this offense, everyone's saying that we're this close. Do you feel like their offense is this close? I don't think so. I, I think they're a long ways out. Um, you know, obviously we saw some glimpse glimpses of, of of what the offense can do. The excitement of you know seeing some glimpses of Zach Wilson finally coming along, but I don't think they're there. Um, in order to be there, you have to be consistent. 
So, and I don't think we've seen enough, enough consistency uh, from Zach Wilson. Uh, from his standpoint, um, the offense is inconsistent. I think the most consistent thing is the defense right now that we're going to have to hang our hat on them at least for hopefully we can turn a, turn a corner after the bye week. You know, hopefully give yourself a chance to evaluate. Now it's about evaluation. What are we good at? Throw this out, add that in. Uh, there's so many statistics you go over as an organization during the bye week of where we fit here, you know, third down, second down, how to get better here, uh, what fits this player, that player. And hopefully that that coming out of that game and going into uh, uh, the Giants week, they can finally turn the corner. And, and we can sit up here as a, as a fan base and, and we can kind of relax on game day and enjoy it instead of holding our breath every single play. <laughs> yeah, and you know the Giants game is going to be fun. They just lost a tough one last night on Sunday Night Football in Buffalo. They fall to one and five, so it's going to be a fun game that week. I can't wait to watch the Jets defensive line against that offensive line. The Jets now have a week off to get healthy, but another thing Zach Wilson talked about is they're not going to take a break. This offense wants to work on improving. And look, there's a lot of people out there who have been Zach Wilson apologists from day one who just love Zach Wilson no matter what. And the second he came in, they're like, oh my God, you see the play he made against Kansas City? Look at the game he's had, blah, blah, blah. Look, Zach Wilson has made some decent plays, but you said it. Consistency is the key. That's what it takes to be an NFL starting quarterback. He's played like a backup, which is what he is. He's a serviceable backup the last two and a half games. He hasn't been awful. He just makes some plays that are head scratchers. He misses wide open receivers. He doesn't see them. Not that he doesn't throw it to them. He's got all the talent in the world. So there are some plays he makes like the throw to Garrett Wilson on the sideline. The way he zipped into two point conversion. Some of the back shoulder throws he made against Kansas City. But he's still not there. He's not close to what you need a starting quarterback in the NFL to be. He's a bad NFL quarterback. Two weeks ago, he, was a, he wasn't even a peewee level quarterback. He looked like he hadn't played quarterback at any level. So now he looks like a bad NFL quarterback. So somehow that giant leap, which is a big leap, people are freaking out about. He's still not good, but he's good enough, I guess, for them to win games if they have a historic defense. But if they would have lost the game yesterday, which they were this close to losing, that's entirely on Zach Wilson, is it not? Well, I said this. I said if Zach Wilson can manage a game, um, we'll be okay because our defense does a tremendous job of keeping teams out of the end zone. And what I mean by managing the game for Zach Wilson is not turning the ball over three, four times a game. You saw winning the turnover turnover margin between the Eagles put us up. You know, you saw the Buffalo Bills game. We won that game because of the turnover margin. If Zach Wilson can find a way to – we're not looking, up, looking for him to come put up uh, all pro numbers – we're just looking for him to manage the game, take care of the football. Uh, let's let's extend, find a way to extend plays. As you said, you know, last last night they were worth twenty percent on third down. That'll put you at the bottom of the list <laughs> in any in any uh, in any sport. Twenty percent. So they just need to find a way to continue to get Zach Wilson better. You know, like I like I told you, they're about to evaluate right now. What are we doing bad on third downs? What can we get better at on third downs? How can we perform on third downs? Extending the plays for the defense is going to help those guys out a lot too, keeping them off the field. You know, I'm pretty sure the three and outs, man, they're tired. They're tired and they're still fighting. So Zach Wilson, all he has to do is take care of the football, find a way to extend plays, 
Don't look for the big things. Take what the defense gives you. Like all the things that we saw in the previous weeks where he did look like a good quarterback. If he just takes what the defense gives him, check the ball down, take care of the football, I think we can go out as an offense and average 21 points a game, 20 points a game, which is enough for our defense. (laughs) That's enough. Putting 20 points is enough to win in this league. I mean, for this team, the way this defense is playing right now. Yeah, and again, we're not asking him for a ton. What I will say, one of the ways they can convert better on third down is to take some more chances. It looks like he's so conscious of the turnovers that he's not willing to take any risks. Sometimes I feel like you have Garrett Wilson on the outside. Take a shot with him. You have some of these big tight ends in the middle. Let them go make a play for you. You you have these talented receivers. It's almost like, okay, when he was down 17 nothing against Kansas City, he was willing to take these chances because it was like, whatever, we're down 17 nothing. Take some of those risks. Take some of those chances because you trust your defense that, all right, if we, we if I turn the ball over, I'm not saying play reckless by any means, but if I turn the ball over, at least my defense can go make a play for me. Like, do you want to see more chances? Is that the way to go at this point on third downs? I think so. I think, obviously, um, you know, Brees didn't have a good game last night, uh, which is okay. You know, it's the NFL, but... You don't have to be able to run the ball. You, you have to find a way. What what complements Zach Wilson for this offense? Uh, and I and I like what I saw versus the Kansas City Chiefs when they were moving the pocket, play action. He was taking, he was dumping the ball down. They were running the football, like all these different things. That's what that's what's going to help Zach Wilson. If you take away the run game, if you take away as we saw last night, he starts to struggle. All right, we can't put the ball in his hands and expect him to be an Aaron Rodgers or a guy that we think is a guy who can march down the field. You, it, it, the team has to be hitting on all cylinders. The offense has to be hitting on all cylinders for Zach Wilson to go out and have a fo- good football game. You can't rely on this man to go and do more than what the offense is giving him as far as complementing his style of play right now. When he made the play, when he drew the team off sides and snapped the ball and started like scrambling around the backfield for the free play, I was involuntarily involuntarily making noises that I never thought would come out of my body. I was I was so excited because to me, that was my favorite Rogers thing, catching guys with 12 men on the field, catching guys with with drawing them off sides and getting the free play. That's the Rogers. That's the Aaron Rodgers. That was such a moment of growth. I know it came back because of the Lazard. Uh, penalty downfield it's just so stupid like I get it it's it, that penalty negating the whole play in the first place and taking it 15 yards back like it's idiotic whatever mm. <laughs> of course when are the Jets ever on the wrong side of, a, of an officiating ruling but it's just like that play I was like yes just more of that just more situational awareness that's what we need to see out of Zach Wilson and I think I hope over the next couple of weeks him working stay in the facility like you talked about during the bye week Stay in the facility, work with Aaron Rodgers and get better. And uh, hopefully we come out against the Giants, not a great team, and we could start rattling off some wins. It would be a third in a row if they do beat the Giants. They're going to do it, though, on the backs of their defense. They did it in this game. And you talk about the officiating. That first drive of the game, they let up a 90-yard drive, 19 plays, where it's just pounding the ball down your throat, just a devastating drive, and you think you stop him. First, you stop him on third down. Maybe they're going to kick a field goal. No, we're staying on the field. And then you think you stop them on fourth down. You have the stop. You have the fumble recovered in the end zone. It comes out to the one-yard line. Jets ball. We're going the other way. Huge stop. Go to commercial break. And I hate this. If you're the producer, if you're the TV producer, just cut off the break. I don't know. 
save some spots for later. You're so worried about getting paid from your commercial spots. You go to the commercial break and you come back. It's like Eagles touchdown. We didn't see anything. We didn't know it was under review. We knew nothing. I know every score is under review. Every turnover is under review. But like we go to the break, just it's a fumble. And we come back from the break, touchdown Eagles. What? Like if you knew that it was questionable, which was obviously questionable, why did you go to break in the first place? And then later in the game, there's a questionable call where it looks like AJ Brown's juggling a ball. And of course, questionable, inconclusive, gets overturned. It goes against the Jets. So whenever a play is or a call is un- inconclusive, the rule is if it's inconclusive, it goes against the Jets. That's the rule apparently in the NFL is if there's an inconclusive replay, whatever is against the Jets, that's what we vote for. Right? Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, ever since I've been around the organization and been involved with the organization, it's almost like, wow, we can never catch a break, man. The ball can never roll our way. <laughs> and if we put it in the referee's hands, it's done deal, man. And, you know, obviously, uh, like you said, man, I, I honestly thought that was our ball, came back. I was shocked that they overturned that <laughs> that that call, uh, which, you know, to me, that's like, oh, that, that's, that's just some Jet stuff. <laughs> but, you know, um, obviously, um, they did a good job, man, fighting back. Uh, you know, sometimes as players, man, you you do feel like you're playing against a team in the ref, in the, in the refs. And I, and I think we have to get this thing out of our mind of saying, uh, you know, are the refs calling it because we are the Jets and this is just the same old Jets or like, like what is it? Is it no, no respect thing? I don't know, man. But obviously, uh, like you said, I'm not the producer, so I didn't I didn't think he should have went to commercial as well. But, you know, that's your lane. I don't know. Um, I'm sure they had some words to say about that, but that's crazy, man. Yeah, Ryan Rosillo always talks about it on his podcast. He's always like, they, they just need to get paid, so they run to the commercial, and like, we, we're not seeing what's going on. We come back, and Dean Blandino's there, and like, oh, yeah, it was a fumble, and they're already kicking it off. Like, it's already a touchdown. Like, like they're kicking it off like it's a touchdown. We didn't get it. They have, like, 20 seconds to explain it before Zach Wilson's taking another snap for the 25-yard line. It's ridiculous. But how devastating is that for the defense, right? Like, you give up that whole drive. You have it called against you after you think you made the stop. But the defense didn't sulk. They didn't put their heads down. They didn't hang. The, they come out there. This game from this defense is incredible. I want to go through some of the stats here. And I know you have some stats, but Bryce Huff had a sack and a half in this game. Quinn and Williams gets the interception. Tony Adams with the biggest play of the day, the interception at the end of the game. I mean, talk about making noises that I couldn't control. That was insane. I was running around my house just like, oh my God, I, I don't believe this. We're actually, we have a chance. We might win this game. Quincy Williams with the fumble recovery, which my God, just fall on it, Quincy. Like we're the Jets. We don't have like the ball bouncing our way. We don't have the luck that if it tips off your fingers, it's going to come back to us. Just fall on the ball when there's the fumble, right? <laughs> CJ punches it out and then Quincy's trying to pick it up, scoop and score or whatever. Just fall on it because you saw how it got batted around. Eventually there's a pile. I'm like, oh, for sure the Eagles have it now. But no, Quincy recovered it. He also, again, has another 12 tackles in the game. I mentioned CJ forced the fumble. He had another nine tackles. Bryce Hall had an interception, which is fantastic. He was, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's usually playing in the slot and now he's being asked to play outside as the number one corner. Him and Michael Carter, both guys who usually are slot nickel corners and they're playing on the outside. They played insanely well. Michael Carter and Bryce Hall, of course, Hall has another interception. So this defense, how much credit do you give to their resiliency? What they were able to do, continuing to come back time and time again after that devastating drive and after the offense is going out there and not converting and they keep making stops and eventually that's got to bog you down where it's like, Oh my God, 
like you your will breaks right where it's like this offense just needs to do something for us we keep giving them great opportunities and they're giving us nothing in return and this defense there's just so strong-willed so strong-minded they never broke in this game yeah i I definitely think they're a bend but don't break mentality Uh, that is a bend but don't break and you know as much as we could talk about how good the defense is and how bad the the offense is playing right now. I think there's there's room for improvement by the defense as well. I think when you look at them, uh, I, I think they're top five in the, in the red zone, uh, number three right now in, in the league in, in, in red zone defense. But outside of that, they're at the bottom – they're at the bottom half of, the, of of statistics. So you would like to see them to improve outside of the red zone as a, as a unit to, to, you know what I mean? I think that can also help Zach Wilson when we talk about the field, the field, uh, the field position, right? Yeah, we stop them when they get in the red zone. They kick, they score, they still flip in the field. So can we find a way to get better outside of the red zone? So that way we're forcing them to punt, giving us a shorter field. For Zach Wilson, we don't want to see Zach Wilson go 75 yards every drive. We don't want to see that from him. Not going to happen. <laughs> and, and then you look at the third down conversion from the Eagles last last night. It was 7 out of 14. That's 50%. On the Eagles side, that's going to put you at the top of the <laughs> top of the league on the offensive standpoint. And on the defensive side, it puts you at the bottom. Right now, we're sitting at the bottom half on third down conversions. We talk about the offense uh, being 31st, 32nd on third down conversions. So that's a lot of ball. Like if you could find a way to complement each other, they can be a lot better. I think the scores are a lot different when you look at it from a statistic standpoint. The defense needs to do a better job. I, I think it's a good time going into the bye week. We have the the New York Giants coming up. It's a good time for us to evaluate where we need to improve. We can sit here and talk about how good the defense is, but there are so many places that they can improve to get better for the rest of the season. Yeah, and one of the things, one of the places is starting faster. We said this every game. I tweeted out before the game, I'm like, if you start slow against the Eagles, that's exactly what they want to do. They want to jump on top and then just run the ball down your throat, control the line of scrimmage on both sides. The Eagles don't blow 14-3 leads. They had a 14-3 lead in this game. Again, the Jets fall behind early. How do you start faster on the defensive side? I think just improving. You have to improve. You have to make those plays when they're presented. You have to get off the field on third downs. You have to find a way to get off the field on third downs, especially versus a Jalen Hurts in the in the in the Eagles offense. Man, they're they're so explosive. You just have to find a way, man. It, it, I don't know if that's getting to the quarterback. I don't know if that's uh, you know instead of going for the tackle, knocking down the ball, the pass breakup, or making that open field tackle. Those are the little things that uh, that hurt hurt you when you're talking about the conversions on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. So. Coach Sala is talking to the media now, so I'm going to look out to see if there's anything uh, he says about um, Joe Tipman, if there's an injury update there or anything else. So I'm going to be looking out on Twitter. Also, uh, they did post, I did see the Jets just posted the uh, GM cam. So that video that I talked about of the GM hugging everyone off the field and Joe Douglas. But you mentioned Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts played fantastic. I thought he really, like, he had some Houdini plays where they're grabbing onto him. He's stiff-arming guys and throwing it downfield. He was fantastic, and yet they still shut him out in the second half. So in the second half of this game, if the Jets' defense plays like that, look, you're not going to shut teams out 24-7. But -hmm. shutting them out in the second half, it's just extremely impressive because it didn't feel like Jalen Hurts played poorly. You know, Mahomes, it felt like he played poorly. Allen, it felt like he played poorly. 
this game, it felt like Jalen Hurts played really well, and yet the Jets' defense just played better. Does that make sense? It, it does, but he he also had three turnovers. I mean, in, in, in a critical time. You know what I mean? And 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 that's the biggest thing that you want to talk about as a team, man. Um, from an offensive standpoint and the defensive standpoint, winning the turnover battle, giving getting more opportunities than the opponent. Uh, you know, obviously his statistics were better than Mahomes. He looked a lot better. He played a lot better than Mahomes and Josh Allen. But again, he gave three turnovers. So, you know, that's to us, that's no matter what you're doing, th- that that trumps the the touchdown, the rushing touchdown, the 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 passing touchdown. I mean, uh, you know, all these different things that they, they were doing, man, when you talk about turning the football over. That's the most important thing in this game. Yeah, so still no injury update. But I will say this. When you talk about the turnovers, I think you look at the interceptions. One, I think, what, was it Bryce Huff or Jermaine Johnson who gets the pressure? And that's why the ball comes out wobbly. So that's one interception. That's not like a terrible throw, like a terrible decision necessarily by Jalen Hurts. Another one of them, it's in Dallas Goddard's hand. A guy popped it. And such a good play by Quinn Williams because you talk about rallying to the ball. Quinn Williams gets the pressure on the quarterback. He's in Hurts' face. And then he's running back, rallying towards the tackle. And that's why he was in the perfect spot at the right time for when the ball popped up, he catches it. If he would have still stuck in the backfield where he was a second earlier, then he doesn't make that play, right? So, like, that's huge. And Sauce Gardner tweets out, Quinnen has more interceptions than me. Hey, Sauce, you come on the podcast, you get an interception. That's just how it works. I mean, we're one for one so far. It's proven. You can't not prove that, right? So. And then the last one, again, there's pressure in his face, so he can't step into the throw, and he's throwing off his back foot. And Tony Adams, just the play of his life, like a guy who comes in and makes that play, just unbelievable what Tony Adams is able to do. And he's the hero in this game. So many heroes in this game, but we have to choose one. We have to choose a player of the game. You tweeted out a poll for the fans. I'll pull up the poll right now. But first, we'll start with you, Bilal. Who's your player of the game? I'm, I'm going to have to go with Bryce Hall. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's just him stepping up. Obviously, AJ had uh, 140 something receiving, but him just stepping up not only this week, but the second consecutive week stepping up playing and being around the football. It's just, I mean, the guy's finding himself around the football. And that's what you want uh, as a a defensive coordinator. You want your guy to be around the football. That means he's where he needs to be (laughs) when it's time to be there. Yeah, the fans voted for Quincy Williams mostly, and then he has 38% of the vote, and Tony Adams has 32% of the vote. So people like the two turnovers, right? Quincy Williams all over the place, flying all over the field as usual. But in the comments, a lot of people, Jermaine Johnson, Bryce Huff, are commenting those guys who are pressuring the quarterback all day. The Jets were getting pressure with four guys, only four rushers in this game, which is extremely impressive. And a lot of that had to do with Jermaine Johnson and Bryce Huff on the defensive line. Someone else mentioned Craig James. Craig James was a practice squad corner who was called up all the corners. You mentioned Bryce Hall. You mentioned Tony Adams. The corners in this game were incredible in this game. They led them to the win because without these corners making these plays, these guys who are not expected to be put in this role, not expected to be starting corners, Michael Carter as well. These guys made huge plays for the Jets, stepped up. Next man up mentality, right? Like, hey, we don't have DJ. We don't have Sauce. We don't care. We're going to play really well in this game, and they did. I'm going to give you another one that maybe flies under the radar in addition to all those guys. I'm going to go with Greg Zerline because Greg the leg, we needed a lot of field goals in this game. He went out there and he kicked every field goal, nailed it right through. He had one that was a little bit iffy that we were kind of like nervous about, but the rest of them were straight down the middle. So uh, when you're not scoring touchdowns, you need to take advantage. You can't miss field goals. 
You saw the Eagles missed a huge field goal in this game. The Jets didn't. Mm -hmm. So uh, shout out Greg the Leg Zerline. Uh, unless you got anything else, I think we'll uh, we'll kick it to next week to, or to later this week, Thursday's episode, right? Yes, sir. All right. So as always, everyone, thank you for listening. I appreciate you guys listening. Bilal appreciates you guys listening, I, if I can speak for you. Um, we will come back with some great episodes this coming week. We have a few guests coming up because it's a bye week, and then we have to preview the Giants week. So a lot of fun stuff going on on this podcast. If you missed our episode with Quinn and Williams, a lot of that stuff is still relevant from last week. So go back and listen to that. Quinn and Williams is awesome. Like and subscribe and comment and all those great things that help this podcast grow because this is one of the best Jets podcasts out there and you want to be part of the family. So uh, until next time, I appreciate you all for listening and uh, Bilal, see ya. All right. I'll see you, man. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.